my name is Dave Farley of Continuous Delivery. Welcome to The Engineering Room, a series of conversations with influential people from our industry. This episode is a little bit different to the usual content on the Continuous Delivery channel. This is uh, an addition to our usual weekly output and is meant in part as a small Christmas present to our viewers and subscribers and a thank you for your support over the past year. If you'd like to see more content like this, please do subscribe and let us know and just let us know your thoughts in the comments below. Today I'm talking with an old friend of mine, not, not so old really, but a friend nevertheless, a Java expert, uh, Trisha G. If you've ever the chance to work on a team with Trish, take it. She's a great teammate. Trish and I worked together some years ago on a project to build one of the world's highest performance financial exchanges. Trish significantly improved the teamwork at LMAX. I can remember her rewarding good build discipline with chocolate bars and taking on the responsibility unasked for making us all improve our discipline around managing flaky tests. And we did a better job as a result of those changes. So much so that we ended up building a tool that automated what Trish was doing, analyzing our test results and helped us to get to highlight suspected intermittent tests. It was called Auto Trish in her honor. Trish is an excellent software developer, a Java champion, a developer advocate, helping software developers level up in their career. Um, she's also a well-established conference speaker, a writer, and has been involved in the publication of several books. She's just told me she's working on two at the moment, uh, including 97 Things Every Java Programmer Should Know. That's not the one that she's working on. That's available in the stores now. Trish very kindly wrote the foreword to my new book, Modern Software Engineering. So let me introduce you to Trisha G. Uh, Trish, welcome and thank you for, for, for agreeing to have this chat today. Um, so what's a developer advocate and how do we level up? Great. Um, thank you for your introduction, by the way. You make me sound really awesome. <laughs> what's a developer advocate? Yeah, not, not an amazing software engineer, like, like you were suggesting. Um, one of the things that, that I really, so one of the, the reason I went into developer advocacy, I think that's, I think I'm going to start there because it segues a bit from what you were saying about, about where we worked in, in London. Um, yeah. When, when we were working together in London, what I, I just, I learned so much there. I learned so much from the pair programming. I learned so much from you, from Martin, from all these people. I learned a lot about how to use IntelliJ IDEA in an effective way from all that pair programming. And, 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 it, and it blew my mind. I was like, I've been a programmer for, for 10 years. I considered myself competent, um, but over the four years there, I like, I just, I grew exponentially. And what I really wanted to do is I, I wanted to take that, that experience I got from you and all the others and give that to other developers because I felt like I spent 10 years doing perfectly adequate jobs um, that were perfectly fine and they were perfectly normal. And, um, and I know that a lot of people are doing that too. And I really wanted to, to reach those developers and say, great, fine, but there's better, there's even more, and you can learn more if you want to, you know, you can learn more, you can make your job easier by learning your tools better, or you can level up by doing things like some of the developer advocacy stuff, like you can start writing, you can start speaking at conferences. So I was super inspired um, by, by working with you and the team to, and also from your influence from ThoughtWorks, because of course the, the ThoughtWorks folks are quite a lot like that as well. Um, to get out there and kind of share my experiences and share my enthusiasm and say like there's there's better ways to do stuff and it's not just about being more effective or or more um more efficient it's about enjoying your job more it's about sort of 
getting getting into flow better and understanding more what you're trying to achieve you know and and finding the types of roles where your skill set whatever that is are better appreciated and so I started blogging about what we've been doing. I started speaking at conferences and, and then I ended up saying, well, I want to do more and more of this. So I ended up going into a job where my job is to um, a blog about what I do, what I've learned, to speak at conferences, to meet developers, to be part of user groups, to, to, to be on Twitter all the time speaking to people. Um, and, and the the developer advocacy thing is a, is a two-way thing. Like I share the stuff that I've learned, but I also learn a lot from other people as well. So I hear from developers, what are you doing? What's interesting? What's difficult? Like what, what are the things that real people are doing? Because that's one of the downsides of being a developer advocate is you're no longer necessarily working on a, on a software team. What, what are you doing? What tools are you using? How is that helpful? How is that not helpful? Um, and then you get a bit of a chance to kind of experiment with some of those things as well. And so, yeah, so leading on to what you're saying about leveling up then there's like multiple directions to level up in which is kind of great and frustrating at the same time um so when you're starting out as a developer advocate you're going to level up in terms of skills like your writing skills and your speaking skills and your interpersonal skills and um a lot of things that i think having done consultancy some of that stuff kind of gets trained into you as a consultant because you have to do client facing work um so you learn a lot there but one of the other things that I found interesting from a technical point of view is that when you're a software developer, you learn a lot on the job, of course. You know, you get plunged into a project and now you have to learn spring data or you have to learn reactive this or, or whatever. Um, when you're a developer advocate, you don't have the advantages of being in the environment where they're using those technologies, um, you know, and as so you're kind of forced to learn them. But you do have the advantage of, of picking and choosing a little bit more like, what am I going to learn? How do I want to learn it? How do I want to paste that? How would I create sample code from scratch that might demonstrate something, which is also really challenging because how do you create an enterprise application from scratch in three weeks? Like that's that's not possible, right? So, um, so I've really enjoyed doing this job because it's got all these different tendrils and all these different things. And if you get a bit conferenced out, which is obviously not happening at the moment because I went to conferences for two years, but if you get conferenced out, then you're like, I'm going to spend a month doing code because I, I need the code time. Or, um, or like at the moment, because I've been doing a lot of video content for the IntelliJ Idea YouTube channel. Um, uh, then this summer, I'm like, I, I need to do some more written stuff. I just want to be able to to focus on, on one thing and do something more in-depth and longer and written, hence the, hence the book projects as well. So I get to play with all these different things and, and that's kind of, it's, it's simultaneously overwhelming and fun. Well, I'm, I'm blown away. There's, there, was, there was lots in there. So, so, so let, me, let me take that in order. <laughs> so, 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 so first, I'm kind of embarrassed at the stuff that you were saying about, about us and the team. I, it was a delightful team. It was a fantastic opportunity. And, uh, and one of the things that I, I, I know I used to say to people, but I believed, was that I hoped that we were trying to create an environment that would be career-defining for people. And I, I think it was for, for, for 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 many, if not most, of the people that worked there, it certainly was for me. And and you know, from what you said, I, I certainly it was for you too. And it was it was a great place to work and an awful lot of fun. And I, I agree with you. You know, I I think that one of the attributes of software development, um, if we want to do excellent work, human beings are the, you know, it, it, software development is this highly creative discipline. And if we want to be highly creative, and we don't think of it very like that very often, but it is. 
And if you want to be creative, then humans are at their most creative when they're kind of relaxed and playing. And so you want to try and you want people to enjoy themselves. You know, it's hard work. It can be solving difficult problems, but that can be a delight. That can be a fantastic thing, a very rewarding thing to do. I'm, the, I'm the, you know, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to back up what you just said there. Like, I, I think you might be one of the first people who made, who said to me that, um, that, that software engineering is, is a creative thing. I mean, p- people sort of say that, but really when you were, you were, um, you were comparing it to filmmaking, I was like, of course, there's a, there's a, there's a blend of technical and creative in certain types of roles. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and you have to free your creativeness and not just speak to the computer. Indeed, yeah. And the other thing that I liked about about what you the, the way that you just described all of that was was the importance of communication. Um, it, it makes it makes me. Uh, I think it might have been Kevlin Henney that that said uh, a, a friend of us both. I know, but I, I think he he's the person that said that you know how, how do you expect somebody that can't write good comments to write good code <laughs> <laughs> also i'm paraphrasing a bit but you know it's a communicate it, it's it's an act of communication and the more you grow your skills around being able to communicate and so on and i think both of us uh have moved on in in, in you know the current phase of our careers to be i i I've, I've started to think of myself a little bit like the science communicators you know famous people like Brian Cox I'm, I'm not actually doing you know the work so much anymore but I'm commun- I'm trying to communicate it and explain it in a way without dumbing it down but just make it you know uh, understandable accessible. and yeah. accessible uh, and I think you do similar things you, you, you do the same sort of thing and I, you know I think there's a role for that that, that. and it, I think it's important because I, I think that uh, I, I, one of my things is that our discipline is primarily or should be primarily focused on learning and therefore we should all become experts at learning and and, and focus on that. Um, yeah, I, I really want to pick up on that bit too as well. I'm going to interrupt you a lot. Um, that's right. <laughs> Please. Um, what, we, what we do a lot of in my team as developer advocates is we produce a lot of content, right? So we do write a lot of stuff and we do videos and we, we produce and publish a bunch of stuff. Sometimes it doesn't work out. So, for example, a colleague of mine is working on something right now where the thing that she was trying to, the conference that she was going to be speaking at, um, the the slot that she had got pulled. So all the research that she'd been doing for that particular technology uh, now doesn't have a, 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 a content outlet. There's no produced um artifact at the end of that and she's like oh my goodness what a waste of time I just invented like invested like three weeks learning this particular technology and I don't have anything to show for it like should I go away and do a screencast and publish it on the channel so that I don't waste all of that research and I said absolutely not because the output is the learning not the content yeah right so the learning is way more important, even if um, so. she was struggling a little bit with this particular technology. And at the end of it, she's like, I could do a video, but I, I don't really want to. I just don't really I just don't really love this technology. And I haven't worked in a field where we've been using it. So it's difficult for me to kind of like phrase it in a way which is like this. These are good practices. These are bad practices. Or this is what I've seen used. And she's like, I'm just I'm struggling a bit with it. And I, I, I don't love it. And I'm like, then then that's what you learned. And that's yeah. <laughs> this. Yeah. Yeah. You, don't, you don't love it fine don't waste any more time on it move on to learning the next thing that's that's one of that's one of my other my other things is that is that i 
I think it's really important to, to work in general, in the broad, whatever it is that you're doing, in ways that are experimental, in, in experimental ways, which, which means that you're, sometimes your experiments are going to fail and sometimes they're going to succeed. So your colleague experimented with a technology that she found she didn't like very much. That's the result. That's, that, that she, she, she discovered something. She learned something, as you said. And I think that's important that we free ourselves to do that because otherwise... Otherwise, you tend to end up channeling reasonably safe courses and you're not going to do anything innovative if you're or really creative if you're channeling those those sorts of, you know, well-trodden courses, I think. Yeah, I mean, scientists aren't going to find anything if they don't have experiments that fail. Like failure yeah. teaches you way more than success sometimes. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's interesting because you're, you're kind of you're kind of written understandably we work together for a lot for, for a while and think think very similar similarly about things but but you're reinforcing my views certainly in that, in that so so you began working with the london java user group some times ago and i think your name is closely associated with java these days um you now organize um the seville um the Sevilla, i should say java, uh, java user group along with israel your husband um, so what do you see the benefits of those sorts of user groups and communities? You've, you've been involved in that, those sorts of things for a long time now, to my knowledge. There's, I mean, there's really so many benefits. And, um, and that's why I think I'm always encouraging people to get involved because there will be there will be something that works for you. So, for example, in retrospect, the best thing about joining the London Java community was I actually met my husband. Um, I mean, I guess that's probably a good thing. I'm not sure sometimes. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, that was a good thing. I met him there. Um, in fact, the reason I was the, the reason I joined the London Java community is I just moved back from living in New York for a year and I needed a job. And it was 2008 and there weren't a lot of jobs on the ground at the time. So this new thing, this new user group thing, which had just started on Meetup um, in London, seemed like a good way for me to meet people and to potentially find out about new jobs. One of the things I discovered very early about going to user groups is in, instead of getting random recruiters calling you and, and then putting your CV forward and then you go through this awful process of like, um, you know, I would usually go, be applying for, you know, multiple jobs at once. I'd be interviewing for like, I, I don't know, six, seven, 10, 12 jobs at once, trying to keep track of everything just so that you can keep your options open and make sure that you get something which isn't terrible. Um, whereas when you go to a user group, you go to a, a meetup of maybe, well, in London, probably about 100 people, something like that, 80 people. And then afterwards, of course, you go to the pub when there's like 20, 30 people. You can ask all of those people, where do you work? Are you hiring? Do you like it? What are you doing? Um, and you're asking the real people about their real jobs. And, and you're getting a feel for things like what technologies are really in use, how people are really using it. Do people like it? You know, and, and it's a, I found it a more helpful way to, to get a job. Later, I didn't actually get my first job through that. Actually, I, I got my my first job in London after New York through a random recruiter, and that first job did not work out very well. So then another random recruiter put me forward for for the the, the company that we ended up working for, and I was like, "This is where I want to work because you interviewed me, Martin interviewed me, and that that interview process was a was a learning experience because one of the I couldn't answer one of Martin's questions about like hash hash codes and link lists and stuff and I was like oh my god I'm failing this interview and he walked me through it and taught me on the whiteboard how this stuff works and why it works and I was like I want to work here because again it's about the learning experience anyway I digress so um 
so when I was working there, then I started going back to the user group because I thought, well, this is a good way for me to, for me to meet people that I want to hire to work with us because we're doing a lot of pair programming and it's really important that you have a connection with someone that you you want to work with that person and you were saying to me when we were when we were into when I started interviewing people for that job and your criteria was do I want to work with this person every single day which is an obvious criteria but I've done interview training before and no one's ever phrased it to me that way in the past (laughs) you go to a user group and you chat with them and you find out you you kind of chat with them in a more relaxed and casual way and you get to know whether you really want to work with them hence when I started chatting to Isra um, and I said like put your CV in he ended up working with us and then I ended up dating him and moving to Spain with him and having children and marrying but that was an entirely that was not (laughs) part of the plan (laughs) And then now, now things are a bit different because I'm not. I'm not sure that's something. I'm not sure that's something that we can we can honestly advertise user groups as, as regularly facilitating. <laughs> but if, if you're of a particular age looking to find a professional man, I think you could do worse than a user group to find you know professional men with jobs. <laughs> but I don't want to use fair comments. <laughs> I think for guys, it's a little bit more difficult, but for the women, I think it's, it's not place to be. Um, but yeah, and later on, it gets a bit more tricky because it's, especially, so I've got I've got two little kids now um, and a husband, so I don't need to go to user groups anymore. Um, no, but seriously, <laughs> I still invest time in user groups because um, for a number of reasons, again, like I say, it's, it's all very different. It depends on where you are in your career and what you want right now. So I find user groups really helpful for in some ways, some of the similar things I was just talking about, I like to connect with real developers. What are you doing? What are you working on? Um, so for example, when we first moved to Seville and um, we were talking about the stuff that Isra and I were talking about the stuff that we'd been doing together in, in our team and saying, obviously we thought test-driven development was a little bit out there. Not everyone's gonna write their tests first, but a lot of developers were saying they're not writing unit tests at all. And we were like, oh, right, okay. And you get a sense for like, you can gauge where is the development community generally, where, you know, if you're going to be telling them about like advanced IntelliJ idea use for test-driven development with continuous delivery, and, and they're here going, I don't know how to write a unit test. Like, you're not doing advocacy properly. You're not helping these people. You just, you know, it's, it's a massive disconnect. So it's really helpful for sort of figuring out from from my job point of view as a developer advocate it's really helpful for research purposes but it's also because I'm really interested in our community and what we're doing what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong or not great I'm just kind of curious about like how are companies working these days um so for example things I don't know about are you using docker like how are you using docker what's docker for you know the sorts of things that that I didn't get to to work on when I was doing engineering because um it wasn't invented yet um so you still use it I still use it for research purposes um so yeah so those are that's I think that's the main reason I'm still involved in the community um and I get a you can again from a selfish point of view I can get a lot of feedback on things like I often give the first pass of my talk at, a, at the local user group so I can have a friendly audience who will come to me honestly and say I didn't understand this or this didn't make sense or or this bit's really great so it's it's good for that sort of thing but mostly it's just good to connect with people and and find out like what are they up to what's what's good what's bad like what's fun or like again eventually maybe one day maybe there'll be someone working for a company and you'll be like yeah I'd quite like to work for that company yeah yeah you 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 were talking about that a bit from your perspective do you think user groups give the same kinds of advantages to people earlier on in their career and finding their feet a bit I'm just I'm just thinking about the stuff that you were saying you were saying uh, uh, at the beginning 
about um, just starting to you know, kind of soak in a little bit about what it's really like and you know what 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 the local local environment you know job environment and stuff's like. I think for I think for juniors, I mean, I would highly recommend juniors people just start. Well, honestly, I highly recommend recommend anyone to to join a user group, whether it's virtual or in person. But for juniors, I think there's a huge gap. And, and my colleague Helen's done a presentation about this. Actually, there's a gap between what you learn at university or in boot camp versus what you actually need to do in your job. Um, and when we we're in the London Java community, so Barry, who was running the London Java community, was also running the graduate developer community, um, and there was obviously it was a good thing a lot of bleed between well mostly from the, the graduates to the London Java community because the graduates were like what do I really need to know to to get a job what's it really like to to work in the industry do I need to learn um you know do I need to learn the solid principles and you'd be like no you need to learn git right you know the, the it's a very different set of set of things that you're going to need to learn and and again one of the things that one of the things a lot of the graduates ask is they, they, they come out of university or the boot camp or whatever, and they just see how huge the, the ecosystem is. Like, even if it's just Java or just the JVM, mm -hmm. but like, if you expand it to web and all the rest of it, it's like, there's so many frameworks, so many technologies, so many things to learn. And as soon as you get on, on track with one, then that becomes out of fashion and something else comes and then Docker comes and Kubernetes. And, and it's not just you know, about languages, it's about infrastructure. And like we said, communication skills and architecture and, it's enormously overwhelming, uh, and you feel like you feel like you just got a handle on on the stuff you needed to, to pass whatever you needed to pass, and now you've had your eyes opened to wow, I don't know anything, and there's no way I'm going to be able to learn any of this stuff, let alone all of it. But coming to a user group, I think, and speaking to people, they're like, no, I'm not using Kubernetes and Docker. I'm doing Java, but only this bit of Java. And it's really important that, you know, these four Git commands, but the rest of it doesn't matter, you know, and, and getting a sense of what's really important. It's a bit like learning a new natural language. Like I've been trying to learn Spanish, obviously, for like six years, uh, more, more than that. We moved here eight years ago. And I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I definitely I can order a cup of coffee. I can get a taxi to take me somewhere. You know, I can do those core things and then you build around that. It's the same thing with technology. You don't need to know all of Docker and all of, I don't know, Scala or whatever it is. You just need to know, you need to know which bits you need to know. And, and going to a user group will give you a much better sense of like what's really important and, and what's not important. I also think, and this is something I've been really trying to, to do with my work as a developer advocate, it's really important for senior people who are experienced with lots of years in the industry to say, I don't know about, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things I don't know about. I have done JavaScript in the past. I have been a web developer in the past. I don't know the JavaScript frameworks right now. And, and I'm fine with that. If I end up working in a, in a team where I need to know that, like we we're talking about learning, I know that I can learn that, but I'll learn it when I learn it. I'm not going to learn every single JavaScript framework now, just in case I need one of them later on. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. You know, and I, the same well, I, 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 don't, I don't think that we as an industry do a very good job of defining what the ground rules are, the, 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 the kinds of, the, 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 you know, what are the things that allow, you know, you and I that, that have some, ex people that have some experience to be able to judge how much we have to learn about a particular technology or a particular practice or stuff. What, what are the things that allow us to pick and choose you know, and steer our learning because there is too much to learn. 
is that there is there is almost zero value in you learning the entire command set of git or, or you know every every last attribute of i, I don't know um react js or whatever i, I don't care i i i i'm a reduced instruction set programmer i there's right. lots and lots of stuff that i don't know and i don't care about and it seems to me that part of the skill and the experience the, the benefit of experience is to be able to more quickly and more accurately choose the things that are worth you know that you need in order to be able to achieve some outcome that that's kind of a i'm sorry i'm advertising my book but <laughs> but that's kind of the sort of stuff that was in the back of my mind when i started writing my book was to try and figure out what those sorts of things were that you could look for to try and steer you through that course because i don't think that there's I think that's a difficult problem. As one, you, 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 one of the things that you said just then resonated with me. I did, um, I did a video quite a long time ago now on my YouTube channel that, that was focused specifically at junior developers and giving them some advice. And one of those was, you know, nobody knows everything, and you know, the starts, you know, and it's it, it, ignorance is not a problem. That's just a fact of life for software developers in their career. And that was the one that landed most. I got loads and loads of comments from people relatively new in their career. So, oh, I've never heard anybody say that. That's a great thing to, you know, we could, because I don't know, I don't know why that doesn't, that doesn't say, translate, but it's, it seems obvious to you, you and I at our stage in our career, because we're, we're used to know, knowing that we know nothing, you know, yes. <laughs> almost and dealing with, I think what we see when we when we go to conferences or when we look at videos or when we read books, what we see is someone with experience giving their very well thought out, very well planned experience on that thing they know really well. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this person, he, he, because usually he, it's not always a he, <laughs> it, this person, he really knows what he's talking about. And like, I don't really, I'll never be that good. But of course, what that person doesn't say is, OK, I know all about Java, um, but yeah. I don't know anything about Git. Or, or like we say, I don't know anything about JavaScript, or I've never, I've only worked in client server, I've never worked in microservices, whatever, it, you know, and, and I think that's what, one of the things I've been trying to normalize with some of the advocacy I've been doing is, you know, one of the reasons I do live demos on stage is because it will go wrong and be like, okay, pair with me, tell me what you think this is that's going yeah. wrong, what have I done, and it's always something different, you know, you can't predict that sort of thing, and I really yeah. want to normalize, like we had with a pair programming experience, you don't know what you're doing half the time and things go wrong and yeah. if you work together you you can find a solution as opposed to this this attitude that we sometimes see in our in our industry of haha you don't know what you're doing i'm better than you like i yeah. don't care like yeah. i don't care if you're better than me like you're better than me at something and i'm better than yeah. you at something else and that's yeah it's not a zero that's, that's, yeah that's that that's that uh, that's what it's it's one of the things that i like so much about pairing uh, is that everybody's better than everybody else at something and I want to learn the things that you're I want to learn from you the things that you can teach me and I, you know in 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 payments I will I will try and teach you the things the things that, that I know and, and that's one of the benefits that's what works so well in our team I think because yeah. we were a team of um you know we had we came from different places we we worked in we had worked in different parts of the industry some of us geographically different places and we all came and we all we all learned the good bits from everybody nobody dragged anyone down the yep. juniors asked amazing questions like I remember the first few times the juniors would ask me so I had what 10 years experience mm -hmm. and the juniors would say why are you doing it this way and as soon as you find yourself answering because 
I always have done it that way. You're like, hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get challenged to think things through and yeah. then working with people like um, people like Amir and yourself who knew Intelligent Idea really well, like, oh, wow, I should really learn how to do these things. And we all leveled up. No one dragged anyone down. There's no slowing each other down. It's, it's just, yeah, we all learn off each other. I, I, I think that's one of the, the wonderful things about teaching is that you, it, it forces you to learn better as well. You, you, you have to explain things from different, for different people so that in, in different ways and, and it deepens your own understanding. I, I, I like that about uh, the sorts of stuff that I do. I, I do a lot of consultancy these days and writing and YouTube-y kind of things and all, all that kind of stuff and presentations. And, and, you know, always, you know, at the point at which I'm about to do something, it just it just forces me to try and put myself in somebody else's shoes and to think about it from different perspectives and and I learn a lot one of the joys of writing books is that you learn a lot more about the subject because you because even a subject that you start off thinking that you know about you learn loads during the course of writing the book which is a lovely thing I think I'm, I'm currently trying to work on the the lambdas and streams section of of the updated head first java and um and I, I, I I've been thinking about this for Head First Java for about since Java 8 came out, so about seven years or something. And I've been using Lambdas and Streams for the last seven years. That's one thing I've kept my knowledge up to date. I read like all the other books that are available and I come to write the chapter and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is kind of how you do it. And I was like, and then, oh, I, I bet people don't really understand how this works. Oh, I wonder if you don't know how to <laughs> do this. What do you do? And you end up a little bit paralyzed because you're like, oh my goodness. Like you sort of feel like saying, if you just do it, you'll get better at it. <laughs> you have to be a bit more explicit than that. It's really, yeah, it's yeah. really difficult, especially because I'm used to producing content for sort of um, mid-level professional developers. They're already Java developers. You know, it's mostly like, these are the great keyboard shortcuts to use an intelligent idea, or, yeah. you know, these are the ways to think about constructing your, your application. And when you start trying to pitch it at, um, if not absolute beginners, then junior level programmers, then then things, it changes the whole game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they, do they know what an if statement is? Do they understand <laughs> what that does? <laughs> it's yeah, really interesting. Yeah. It is. It is interesting. Uh, so, so, so you meant you mentioned IntelliJ and, Jet, and, and JetBrains. So, so you, you've worked there for, for, for a while now, um, and um, you know, I've, I've, I've been a. I first used IntelliJ in I think about two thousand and two. And it blew me away because of the refactoring tools and the effectiveness and all those sorts of things. So um, I think in many ways, you, you know, you're the face of the Java community from JetBrains. At least that's the way that I perceive it. That might be because I know you. But um, but but could you talk a little bit about what you see as the role, role of tools like those? It, it doesn't necessarily need to be just the IntelliJ, IntelliJ suite if you want to broaden it. But 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 the you know the power of tools, I suppose, in terms of this this idea of leveling up. So, you know, I, I, I tend to go for IDEs and stuff like that because I like the, the refactoring support rather than simpler text editors. Like, you know, I'm probably going to get flat for saying that Vi is a simple text editor, but, you know. I don't like to mention anything other than IntelliJ. I do. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I work for JetBrains because I'm a fan of IntelliJ IDEA. I'm not a fan of IntelliJ IDEA because I work for JetBrains. I, I always yeah. I always feel like I have to say that in case people go, well, you have to say that because you work there. Like, no, no, yeah. they hired me because I'm such a huge fan. Um, yeah. Obviously, so for me, the IDE, the thing I learned pairing with people 
who really know how to use IntelliJ idea is that if you know how to use your tool, especially if you develop muscle memory for it, you've got you can you've got way more free space in your brain to devote to thinking about what you're really trying to do. So you're not trying to think, okay, you know, it's such thinking where well, I need to cut this thing and move it over here. And I need to like, I wonder if, uh, if I rename this will something break over there. You're not thinking about that. You just do, uh, I can't even remember, was it shift F6 it renames it and it works. Yeah. And you don't think about it, just move on. You know, the same with, especially because we like doing the test driven development. I always used to be, I used to second guess myself when I'm writing, the, when I'm implementing the code, I'm thinking, but what if, what if this happens? What if the user puts this in? What happens if this is null? And when you're doing TDD, you don't necessarily think about that. You, you put it in the test, you think about it, you write a test for it, and then you go back to where you were or, or whatever. You kind of use the tests to drive those what ifs instead of like yeah. second guessing yourself. And with IntelliJ IDEA, you, you can write it much more easily, much more quickly. You can generate your tests. You can generate the code from your tests. You can generate stubs. So even when you're halfway through a thought, you can create code that compiles, make a note of whatever it was you were doing, and then move on with the thing that, you, that you're really trying to do right now. So for me, a tool like IntelliJ IDEA, it's, it really enables me to, to stay in the flow for development. And we're, we're talking about developing being a creative endeavor. And when you're doing something creative, like writing a book or like writing code, you have to be in the zone. You can't afford to be distracted because the slightest thing that distracts you and that whole house of cards just collapses and you can't remember where you were or what you were doing. So if your tool gets out of your way, if it lets you navigate to something quickly, if it lets you refactor things with just the press of a button and does it correctly, then you, you don't have to rebuild that house of cards. It just kind of, you just keep moving towards the goal that you want to move towards. So obviously for me, the IDE is, is, a, is a big part of that, but it's not just the IDE and I'm not just gonna mention JetBrains tools, but like, from the continuous delivery point of view and the testing point of view and things like that. So, so automated tests are great. If you're not running them, they're a massive waste of time, right? Mm -hmm. All you're going to do is find out five years later, oh, this test fails, which I have done, by the way, because I do a lot of check code. I stick it in GitHub. I, I don't bother turning on CI. And then I find out that my tests don't pass. And I've done that several times. So you need your continuous integration um, you, tools. Now, you, now you've got GitHub Actions, so you've got no excuse. Uh, so that's <laughs> I actually, I spent some time, talking about learning, I spent some time last year, or was this year, who knows, because the last two years are basically one long year. Um, I spent some time <laughs> investigating GitHub Actions so that I could turn that on, um, especially because one of the sample projects I have, I wanted to have other people contributing samples to that. So then it's really important for me to turn on continuous integration. I want to know, does it compile and build? And did you break my tests? So you need to have automation for that sort of thing. I am not going to, I'm not, for a start, I, I don't want to do pull requests because I trust my team. I, I trust them to be able to check out some code, to have it compiling, check in some new code and have my CI environment make sure that it still compiles and builds and the tests still run. I don't have time to be checking every single line of code that goes into my sample projects. And that's where tools and automation is, is really, really important because your human brain cycles are not important for those types of activities. It's much yeah. more important to be thinking, where are we going? What are we doing? What are the problems we're trying to solve? Are they the right problems? Am I, should I even have this project? Should I just abandon it and throw it away? Yeah. I'm 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 a I'm an old school C and C plus plus programmer, and and one of the revelations of 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 IntelliJ for me was was the rename function. I can remember literally spending days 
you know, walking around my mates and saying, I've got this thing and it does this, this and this. What do you think we should call it? And I <laughs> just agonising over a name because it was just so bloody hard to change the name of something later on. And, and intelligent comes along. And just change it. <laughs> I, 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 I should... I, I should I should I should mention uh, in, in, in to, to to be to be straight with everybody that, that I am mildly sponsored by IntelliJ in 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 that they they give me access to a free version of IntelliJ. But again, like you, it's because I'm a fan of IntelliJ and have been using it for for bloody years rather than the other way around. I don't, right, uh, right. Exactly. I'm talking about it because I'm an enthusiast, not because I not because I get a copy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, so I remember um, some of the people of the team they did use they did use the other ID, they did use Eclipse, and yeah. I remember I remember talking about renames specifically. Mm-hmm. So I'd worked in a lot of big enterprises where things like renaming was like shared code ownership wasn't a thing. Like you knew yeah. your bits and the rest of it, you didn't touch it in case something broke, and probably you knew that probably somewhere else there's some like antiquated manual process that depends on the names of something so you didn't touch anything but um i remember pairing with steve smith and he'd like look at a method and be like oh i don't like this method name i'll just change it in eclipse i'll just change it and i'm like you just changed a method name because you wanted to yeah wow (laughs) really that's that's one of the things that's that's deep that the tooling uh, really, uh, Eclipse or I, or, or IntelliJ, um, uh, it certainly that, that gave me the freedom to be to make the code much more malleable. I, I, I now it's now natural for me to work in tiny steps. So when you know when when I'm when I'm writing a test or or, or a function or something like that. You know, I write the value that I'm passing, particularly in the test, I write the value that I'm passing into the function and then extract that as a field and then, and then you know, extract, you know, pull parameters up and using all of the refactoring tools. And it's just kind of, it kind of flows out of my fingers. And, and that means that I can make progress in tinier steps and therefore my code is stable at each small increment all of the, all of the time. Yeah, um, I, I've been, I, I was thinking about the refactoring stuff in IntelliJ IDEA and we were supposed to do a video about refactoring. And of course, like, I mean, Martin Fowler wrote a whole book about it. I can't do a five minute video on refactoring. Um, so we split it into two things. We split it into everyday refactoring. And we had this idea of structural refactoring, which we haven't we haven't done that. But like exactly the thing that you're talking about, the everyday refactoring of don't even think of it as refactoring. It's just reshaping your code. Yeah. Um, this is, it's all about, to me, I've been thinking about this idea of like code sculpting. Like this is, yes. it's not, you're not yeah. writing code. You're, yeah. you're shaping it. You move it around. Like you said, it's malleable. It's squishy. You move yeah. this over here. You push this up into a parameter. You extract it. And it's it's fluid. It moves yeah. around. And and the everyday refactorings, extract variable, um, extract parameter, rename, uh, extract method, all of those things, uh, even like um, pull method up and push method down and stuff like that. Like that's all allows you to do it as you're, as you're building it. It's not like it's, it's even more incremental than red green refactor isn't it it's like yeah. it's, it's red it's 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 refactor green refactor red refactor you know you're just refactoring all the time absolutely absolutely it's it's much more pervasive than that it's it's just it's just it's almost the way that i type right. when i'm writing code it's it's just it's that that pervasive i think in the book 97 things that every java programmer should know that you that you co-edited with with kevlin um you talk about you in in one of the chapters that you wrote you talk about keeping your finger on the pulse um 
and, and I know that you, and for many years, have kind of tracked the evolution of Java closely. So what sort of techniques do you keep up to, you know, do you use to keep up to date? And what features of Java do you think are either underappreciated or underused? Um, yes, so staying up to date, I did do, I've, I've got a whole pro, uh, conference talk on, I, I called it Beco Becoming a Fully Buzzword Compatible Developer, because <laughs> it's meant to be a funny talk, but it's, it actually does talk about all my techniques that I use. One of the things, um, I mean, as part of my job, I sort of have to stay ahead of the curve. I have to figure out like where trends are going because I need to be producing content that's kind of relevant. It's funny, actually, as a developer advocate for IntelliJ IDEA, you, you have sort of two roles. One, most of your developers who work for organizations that pay for licenses are probably using nice, stable, mature technologies. A lot of them are using Java EE, um, you know, Core Java, Spring, nothing and like good solid Java programs. They're not following the reactive this and the JavaScript that, you know? Um, but on the other hand, you also, so you, you need to produce content for those types of people because there's a lot of people doing that kind of work. But you also do need to be aware of like, where are things going? What's Docker for? I keep saying Docker. I got Dahlia to do the Docker content in the end. Dahlia, do, do Docker. I'm not doing that. You know, what's Docker for? What is the thing? What's microservices? When is it good? When is it bad? Um, uh, so partly because it makes my job easier as, as a developer advocate, coming up with ideas on things to, to write about or talk about, whatever, partly because I'm kind of interested. Um, but also part of my job is, is to, or was, to produce um, a monthly newsletter for, for JetBrains, uh, specifically around, around Java and the JVM. And that was kind of, that was a good thing. It was a twofold thing of, I have to stay up to date for the newsletter and the newsletter forces me to stay up to date so that I can kind of carry on doing my job properly. Um, so that's my main way. Well, I mean, I, I managed to hand that over in summer, so I don't have to do the newsletter anymore. So I was like, great, I don't have to stay up to date anymore. But you still do anyway. Um, so a lot of what I do is, you know, you can browse through Twitter, obviously. Twitter's always got some interesting bits and pieces on it. You follow a bunch of people. Um, I make a very, very firm effort to uh, to follow not just sort of big voices in, in, in technology, but also um, everyday developers. And obviously women, people from underrepresented groups, LGBTQI type, you know, as much as possible, um, people with disabilities, people who are neurally, neuroatypical, you know, basically everyone. But it's really important to, to get a sense of what people who are not your classic straight white guy, what they all may, may or may not be struggling with, be it technologically or be it like... Um, so I'm getting a lot of stuff on my Twitter feed at the moment about, can you please make sure you've got alt text on your images? Because I cannot read it with my screen reader if you don't put alt text on the images. And seeing that from a, like a, a personal perspective has way more impact than accessibility guidelines. Make sure that you have alt text, right? So yeah. Twitter is an important source for me for, for not just the technology, but also a sense of how technology impacts real individuals in the real world. Um, I also like I follow I did sign up to a bunch of um, uh, like the my I'm looking at my email at the moment I have a bunch of like emails email updates of uh, from InfoQ and DZone and um, Jack's Enter and various Java related publications oh I've got to mention um, Fuji.io and Inside.java they're both kind of new places where you're going to get a bunch of, of Java related stuff 
um, but I'm looking at my email like this because I've just got this like torrent of information from my email. I'm like, all right, okay, fine. And when the new release of Java comes out, you're like, okay, I've got 75 articles on Java 17 and I, I don't really need that. Um, and also I'm on the JCP executive committee. So I get a bit of a sneak peek on what, um, what standards are being decided, which includes the new version of Java. So, but my, it's a little bit overwhelming, but the, the thing is, like I said, it's the finger on the pulse. It's not like, riding through the blood in the veins and living everything it's about like hey what's what are the words which keep coming up again and again what are the trends what feels like something that people feel interested in and what feels like something that feels difficult it's really like a it's a more intuitive kind of thing and one of the things I've got better at as I've got older is trusting my intuition because intuition isn't magic it's not nonsense your gut comes from accumulated experience. It comes from the, the, you don't have to be logical about it. You can just have, you can just, in fact, you taught me that, and Dave, because you were saying that I've got a good sense for like cleanliness of code or whatever. And I'm like, I, I do. I, I don't, I don't think that way. I just go, ooh, you know, and, and that <laughs> taught me trust your gut. And, and so I can kind of use that to kind of surf around what feels interesting and, and what doesn't feel interesting. And the Java stuff as well, I'm, I'm fortunate, I work with Malagupta and she she does a lot of, um, she dives into a lot of the mailing lists for, for what's coming in Java and she disseminates that one and kind of comes up with the interesting TLDR. So I'm like, right, she can do that. And then I can read her TLDR. And then I, I put that through my filter of, you know, there's 12 new features in Java 17, for example. Um, and let's say three of them are garbage collection. Three of them seem to be something to do with internals. Um, couple of deprecation warnings and there's like three or four interesting syntactic things then I'm like right well those are the things that the that developers are kind of well let me see if the deprecation warnings are going to be a problem down the line because that's the sort of yeah. thing that developers are likely to go okay I don't care until it bites them on the ass um and then the syn syntax stuff I'm like oh let's have a look oh I can think of a case mm, three years ago when I was doing something over here and that would have been really helpful for me so then taking the taking the, the the syntax that's kind of shown in a fairly dry way and going, if you wanted to do this, this might be really helpful for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, so that's, and that's the fun bit, but I don't have to know all the ins and outs of what's gone into Java 17. I just go, oh, this looks fun. Let's play with that. Cool. So, 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 are, so are there any, are there any kind of underappreciated things that you think people have missed over the, over the years? Should bring up my, should bring up my list. Um, so Java 9, obviously I'm, the Java versions don't really matter, but I, I'm now, I have everything attached to Java versions in my head. <laughs> Java 9, there was this big thing about Project Jigsaw and Java 9 breaks everything and modularity is a problem and, and, and all the rest of that. It turns out, especially over time, as our libraries and frameworks have dealt with a lot of those problems, generally speaking, there's not, there doesn't appear to be a huge problem moving from Java 8 to 11 or, or 17, the, the two long-term support releases. So there was a lot of fuss around Java 9 and, oh, modules is the big thing. Um, but actually, one of the features I like most from Java 9, which probably people use but don't really appreciate because it's it's just become normal, is the, um, I can't remember the official name, the collections factory methods, the factory methods for static factory methods for collections, whatever it is, list of, set of, and map of. Um, because it just allows you to do the stuff that you do all the time creating a static list or a static set mm. with, you know, and it's unmodifiable, which, which was array list. Oh my goodness. I can't remember what the original one was, but there was like, you could create an array list, um, but it wasn't unmodifiable. It was, you couldn't add to it, but you could change the elements. 
Yeah. So yeah, list of and things like that. I love that. I think it's really helpful on an everyday basis. And it's not like, it's not pretty syntax like Lambda expressions. It's just a really helpful library method. The other thing which is underappreciated is that when, when Java 8 came out, we also got a whole bunch of new methods on hash map or map, um, which are really, really helpful. They're the sorts of things we do all the time. Like, dear hash map, do you have one of these? Oh, you don't have one of these. Now I want to add one of those. And you have to have an if then else, but there's actually methods on hash map which take Lambda expressions that do that. Then there's a, there's a few different ones with different variations, but basically you can do the, do you have one, if not insert it or generate it or call one of these methods. Um, and it takes a little bit of while to, to get your head around, especially if you come from a pre-Java 8 world, to get your head around like, what is this doing? Wouldn't it be easier to write an if statement? But um, sometimes IntelliJ idea will say, don't you want to use one of these new methods instead? You're like, yes, yes, I would. Thank you, IntelliJ. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'd, I'd like to move on a little bit, if that's okay. So, so, so in a sensible society, my question would be kind of meaningless, I think. But unfortunately, it's not. Um, but as a woman in the software industry, you are sadly part of a small minority. Um, but while I hate the tokenism of asking you about what you see as the importance of women in tech, because that's it's not the, mo the most important thing. The most important thing is, can we do a good job together and can we have fun while we're doing it, it seems to be. Um, but I'd still like to know what you think about, you know, the experience of women in tech, you know, or, why there are so few and so on. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of research in this area and there's there's loads of articles. Once upon a time, I had like a page on my website where I just pointed people and said like, go and read all those, but uh, it got massively out of date. Um, the thing I've learned from 20 years in the industry is it's complicated. It, it's not as straightforward as, you know, women don't want to do IT or there's blatant sexism and that's why people don't join or why people lead leave I mean some of that some of that is true there are places where there's blatant sexism and there's places where you know certain if you, when you're in high school there's certain things that you are encouraged to do as a woman or, or as a girl or not you know I mean I was fortunate enough I think one of the reasons why I'm, I'm here actually is that I went to an all-girls school so I didn't have that there was no girls roles and boys roles like yeah the girls did everything and then I went to an all-boys school for sixth form because they took girls there and studied computer science and um you know and the boys were just so excited to have girls in the school there was no like you can't do this it's like yeah you're in my class so I, I didn't really suffer from that um and then it becomes a bit difficult there's lots of complicated things like when when we were working together on the financial exchange I one of the reasons why I got involved in recruitment is because I wanted to try and help address, I want to do my bit for addressing the gender balance. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think I have the same problems as, as, as other women because I've been to like a girl's school and a boy's school and I had a, a mum and dad who kind of like allowed me to see through a lot of what society expects you to do without you knowing that society is expecting you to do that. So I kind of, yeah. kind of had this x-ray vision for some of the kind of crap that comes with gender roles. But um, I was doing the recruitment for, for, for our company because for Java backend, high performance, low latency in a financial institution in London, generally speaking, the women don't apply for those sorts of roles. Yeah. Because generally speaking, the sorts of men that you meet who do those sorts of roles 
are a little bit like the people we we're talking about before like oh, look at me I'm so clever I'm really good at this sort of thing and like no like a lot of people not just the women a lot of people don't want to work in that kind of environment so it's yeah. really important for me to get out to those user groups and say hey I work in this environment we do pair programming um we are all about learning the reason why we are high performance exchange is because we question everything and it's not one person doing really smart stuff. We just work together to kind of do this sort of thing. And, and look, I'm a woman and I'm happy and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. there. So it's really important to have representation, visible representation to allow you to, to attract other, uh, other people from other groups into, into your company or into the industry. And there's another reason why I want to be a developer advocate because it's important for me, given I've made it this far, to show that um, there are senior women developers with 20 years experience who continue to be technical and continue to write code and um, and and can teach other people how to write code because we know what we're talking about, you know, and once you get to this level of seniority, it's it's kind of you want to normalize senior women in technology and that should hopefully allow men to adjust their some men to adjust their expectations and to be more welcoming for for the for the women coming in as well because if there's just if there's just guys if all the books are written by guys if all the conference talks are given by guys if all of the visible people are guys whether you know it or not you are you you are given this idea that as a woman or or a person of color that it's not for you because you can't mm-hmm. see you in that industry it's really important for representation um but that's it's difficult because it also puts a lot of it's difficult for women in the industry especially if you want to make a difference because when you do want to make a difference you do have this extra job to do as well like you yeah. you have to be visible you have to go to user groups you have to give talks you have to write blogs you have to be on twitter you know and you've got that extra 20 percent extra work that that the, the guys can choose to do if they want to but like they have the option not to like I'm already represented I don't really care you know yeah 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 it's it's, it's definitely a lot easier for somebody that looks like me <laughs> this is something else I want to say actually the reason why I'm I'm here the reason why I believe the reason why I've managed 20 years in industry have been successful and got to a senior level is because of people like you it's very important that we have allies who are white men who are taken seriously it's important for people like you to have me on your show and 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 give me credit and give me visibility it was important when we worked together for you to treat me the same as everyone else and and say to me of course you can do that stuff you should be doing these kinds of things you know to push me forward um I've had conversations a bunch about the difference between mentorship and sponsorship which actually uh, we did a live stream on last week which I haven't watched yet but I'm sure it's excellent um and (laughs) one of the things I read is that women are over mentored and under sponsored and what Mm -hmm. that means is that the mentors is like like the teaching like you should get better at this you shouldn't you shouldn't be like this you should do this and it's this extra burden again on you of like improving yourself to fit in with the world whereas sponsorship is more like what you and martin and um, martin thompson and martin fowler did for me which is to say you're already ready just go out there and do it like yeah. speak at this conference or or do this thing or you know and and just give give the women the bit of the push up the backside tell them they're ready tell them they're there you know and and we trust people like you if you say that we're ready then, then then we can do it so it's it's really it's it's not just for the women to stand up and be seen to encourage the other women it's for the men in our industry to continue to encourage us to give us that push and to tell us that we're ready and that we can do this 
I, I, I think it, I, it's important for all of us. It's, it, it's not just important for women. It's important right. for all of us, everybody, that software, software development is one of the, it's the, re, the revolution. It's, it's, it's probably the biggest revolution that we're going through at the moment. Maybe the, the energy revolution that's coming in order to try and address climate change might be as big or whatever. But at the moment, the thing that's driving more change in the world than anything is software. And to not have, to have underrepresented groups that are not taking part is hugely problematic to being able to do a good job there. There's, there's just inbuilt assumptions all over the place that I'm not going to this spot because I, you know, I'm an old white guy. And, you know, and, 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 and anyway, it's more fun if we're working with broader groups of people that are going to bring different perspectives and different yes, ideas. Yes, for sure. I mean, I've had stories, especially now we're using machine learning and what, people think computers are unbiased it's like yeah but if you feed it biased data <laughs> you know I've heard about machine learning stuff obviously there's a bunch of stuff about machine learning things being anti anti-women but um a lot of stuff about not being able to recognize black people's faces it's like you didn't even think to put non-white people through this machine learning algorithm you know and but if there's if if there's a bunch of different people on your team with a bunch of different backgrounds, they'll be like, hey, have you thought about doing this? Or, hey, why don't you try it on me? You know, yeah. and 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 that diversity, diversity in terms of like racially, in terms of like gender, in terms of also, like we talked a bit about geographically and, you know, neurodiversity and that kind of thing. In, in my team, we actually don't have great gender diversity because there's four women on my team. Mm -hmm. Yeah terrible job with gender diversity but um we do have um certain geographical geographical diversity and cultural diversity so it's really opened my eyes to like you were saying about this being a bit of a christmas present and i think that's really really cool i i work with i work with a bunch of russians i work with um mala from india and i work with with dahlia from the states um and but dahlia's background is that, that she's not from the states originally and so when you say to them like what does christmas mean to you or what does the end of year mean to you the Russians don't do Christmas. They they their holidays are more at the beginning of of January. Their end of year thing is like a different thing. They have a different cadence to where they, the way they work. And and similarly, like um, Mala's going to say, well, I don't take the same time off at Christmas that that, that you guys do because like yeah. it's oh, you. I said you guys, you girls do because we're girls. Um, and uh, I keep telling people off for using guys, and I still can't quite <laughs> get uh, get away from it. Um, you know, so it's really interesting to have those backgrounds because I'm I'm trying to deliver a, a cadence of content or whatever, and then you find out that the entire Indian subcontinent, which is you know, there's a few people there, like all of your assumptions <laughs> completely don't apply to them, you know, yeah. and you're excluding them without even thinking about it, and and so that's that's the key thing for me. It's it's not so much about like it's not just diversity, it's about inclusion, like literally including everybody. Try and make sure that the things that you're saying, the things that you're doing, don't accidentally exclude people. Uh, and it's hard because you have to, of course you're naturally going to exclude people whose experiences don't match your own because you only have your own experiences, but you you, you can change that just, just by listening, just by, yeah. instead of going, well, your experience doesn't count because it's not the same as mine, going, oh right your experience isn't the same as mine tell me about that because that yeah. might be relevant for me yeah so so, so 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 i guess following on from that the other the other aspect of this is the 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 problems in social media that are there are at least widely reported in the press and i can certainly see some some signs of that so so you've got a substantial following of uh, on twitter for example and my impression 
is that women on Twitter need, it, certainly in our industry, but probably more broadly, need to be much more guarded than men. Uh, many of the women that I know are very cautious on social media because of the, the horrible abuse that they can sometimes face. Um, you've already alluded to this a little bit, but to me, you've always seemed a little bit more relaxed than some people. Um, is that a conscious choice or have, have you just have you been kind of fortunate based on your background or your approach um, that you seem to be able to steer a course through that somehow or or am I just not seeing it? No, I, I don't know. I honestly like ever since I came in, ever since I moved into developer advocacy, which obviously requires you to be more visible, I have been aware that at some point the abuse will come and that mm -hmm. you will have people saying mean things to you just because they don't i mean it happens to men as well it's it's not yeah, it, does. it does but it, and it happens to women of color like all the time they just yes. they, i've seen it just it's just so bad um i it doesn't happen to me as much as i think other people have it i don't know if that i i don't know if it's I don't really want to say that in case we'll go, oh, now let's just abuse Trisha on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but, don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. Um, so I don't know. Some of it, I think, is my opinion is the Java community specifically is a little, I don't want to say grown up because I don't want to say that others are childish, but there's definitely a professional core to the Java community. And, and that means that generally, I think people are a bit like, yeah okay whatever like they're not they're nine to five so I think about a lot of a lot of our audience um from from the IntelliJ idea point of view your nine to five developer who works in in a bank or professional organization who are they're trying to improve themselves professionally they probably have let's say they're guys they probably have a wife and children at home they're not necessarily on Twitter like going oh Trisha your last video is really rubbish they're like whatever like I just have better things to do with my time so yeah. I think part of that is the audience and the community the Java community specifically um I do strike a balance in what I say on Twitter though um I I do think carefully about everything I say on Twitter like every single tweet recently the last few weeks in particular I've been trying to when I started out on Twitter I was much more um much more open much more did many more personal tweets since since at JetBrains a lot of my stuff ended up being much more professional because I just don't have time like I just do the professional stuff and just be like okay fine and then I was using like Facebook for my personal stuff because like my family I'm in Spain my family's not in Spain so I do a bunch of stuff on Facebook um and then the rest of it especially because like my close close family are here you know I'm not going to put stuff on Twitter for my kids to read because they're four you know <laughs> like four and six they're not hopefully not reading Twitter not reading at all um so, but yeah, so on Twitter, I've always been quite careful and recently I've been trying to be a bit more, um, bring a bit more of my personality back to it because I enjoyed having that little bit of banter and having a bit of, like we've said before about a bit of vulnerability is important as well to, to let other developers know that just because you've made it doesn't mean that you feel great all the time. Sometimes things are not that great, you know, um, and showing my knitting on Twitter and stuff, things like that. Um, uh, it is difficult. I do think about everything. And, and when I posted last Friday about, I said, I'm a little bit drunk and I'd like to do my knitting. Honestly, <laughs> I thought for 30 minutes before posting that because I'm like, well, A, I shouldn't be drunk posting on Twitter. Um, and B, like, is it aligned with my brand? Am I going to get some, some shit from someone? You know, is it going to 
Surely um, weren't drunk enough, Trish. No, I know. <laughs> like I've definitely tweeted worse, drunk and sober. But yeah, like, and I had to, I had to second guess it. I'm, I'm, are people going to be offended that I'm drinking? Because like everyone who knows me knows that I like a drink or two. <laughs> um, and so yeah, so Twitter, it's. I don't know if it's just being a woman or bit having thirty thousand followers. You you should think about what you post on Twitter if you've got thirty thousand followers. But um, yeah, you do have to think about it. And and I don't know if I've just naturally found a bit of a balance, or I've just been extraordinarily lucky. Or also coming back to the sponsorship thing, I wonder if because one of the reasons I got here is by being associated with a lot of successful white guys like like yourself. Um, I wonder if like having that cohort of untouchable white guys and being part of that group rather than being an outsider interloper woman I don't know if I end up getting to borrow off off all of your I don't know honestly I, 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 don't, I don't know whether I hope that's yeah I don't know whether I hope that's true or not <laughs> I know I don't I don't know what to do I mean I think about it a lot and I think about what would happen if if I got some of the sorts of crap that I see other women yeah. suffering yeah. like what would I do like I, I feel like I would call on my Twitter followers to to be like, hey, this person's they're not great. Like, do something yeah. about it. <laughs> I mean, it, you do get negative comments as well. I mean, there's a difference. I haven't had abuse. I've had negative comments, um, and especially you know what YouTube's like. You put stuff on YouTube, and someone goes, oh, they mispronounced that thing. You're like, no, yeah. because I'm English. You know, I don't like <laughs> a British accent. Well, I'm not going to do anything about that. You know, um, and there was something I was talking about. I was talking about. I was talking about sets, S-E-E-T-S. And yeah. people were saying, I didn't really hear that right. That's not the word I thought that she said in that video. <laughs> um, and I've written blog posts where people have been like, I violently disagree. You don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't, you know, and things that, that they do hurt you on the inside because you're just like, yeah, believe this. But that stuff, that is the different, that's not necessarily abuse. That's there's, 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 certainly, there's certainly a distinction. So, so, so one of the things that I've noticed as 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 my YouTube channel has got more popular is, you know, for the videos that are kind of to my community, there's, there's a conversation that goes on. And then occasionally I'll get a video that kind of reaches out outside and, and I'll get some really bizarre kinds of, uh, you know, mildly abusive uh, comments on some, somebody, somebody posted something that, that YouTube filtered out. I didn't filter out, but I saw it. Um, and that uh, this chap said, uh, you shouldn't listen to him because he's old, grumpy, and ugly. And even if those are true, what kind of basis is that to make a choice on about software? Know. You know, you go to the Justin Bieber school of software. Exactly. And and that's that's what kind of helps me a little bit. Like um, when I can't even remember because I have literally purged them from my mind my mind. When people say things that that originally used to hurt my feelings, like, oh, you don't agree with yeah. me, or you said something mean about me. Now I'm just like, that's honestly I honestly feel like that's fine it's your opinion I don't it doesn't who the hell are you like I can't I'm not going to take my value from some random person on the internet yeah I've got people who I really value people whose opinions I really value who who trust me and say great things to me or tell me when I'm doing something that's not great steer me in the right direction mm -hmm. I don't give a crap what some random person on the internet says about my content like fine it's not for you don't read it I don't care yeah, you know. and 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 you know, it's just because something I say offends somebody's sensibilities. There's no, you know, I, 
I'm sorry for that, but I still believe what I said. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it. And, yeah. you know, there's there's no defence against you. We're allowed to be offended. There are things that I find offensive, the yeah. things that, you know, that, but that's my problem, not anybody else's. Yeah, exactly. And people are allowed to disagree with me, and that's fine. I don't have a yeah. huge... I don't have to please everyone. I'm just telling you what I've discovered, what I've learned, what I feel. And if you, if that doesn't mesh with with what you think or what you feel, uh, then don't read what I say. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're allowed to tell me you don't agree. Great. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So, 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 talking about moving on. So let's 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 just let's. We're probably starting to to run out of time a little bit. I got I got one more question really, uh, which is, so, so. I know this isn't really your job to represent all women in IT, <laughs> but you've probably got a better shot. <laughs> but you've got a better shot at it than I have. So, so do do you have any advice for women either kind of taking the next step from where they are, want to do more speaking, more more kind of advocacy, that kind of thing, or maybe uh, women that are just at school at the moment and are wondering what to do and you know whether they should be thinking about kind of more stem stuff and, and in particular coming and working you know getting girls and women to come and work in our you know encourage them to think about working in our fantastic profession i i mean i have a lot of a lot of advice and there's there's obviously different types of advice for, for different levels and different types of people um my my main thing is the main thing i'm trying to teach people and it's not just applicable to women of course is that it's hard, but you have to believe in yourself and try not to take your value from anyone else, which is a little bit of what we were just talking about. Yeah. Society is going to gently push you away from STEM or from, from computer science. It might not be as blatant as like, you can't do it, you're a woman. It might just be like, oh, there's no women here. Maybe I'm not, maybe it's not for me. Maybe, you know, if you've got an interest in that sort of thing, you believe in yourself it's absolutely fine don't listen to what other people say people are always going to say stuff that that you don't agree with and um people are going to push back on you and that's that's just kind of the, the sooner you can learn to deal with that the more effective you're going to be in our industry um and and so i, I all the way across the board by all means believe in yourself so I, I also want to say for people in our industry again not just for the women but in my experience as a gross generalization women will not and i've seen this statistically somewhere women generally expect to meet 90 percent of the criteria of a job role before they apply for that job role and men generally 50 percent. i've made those numbers up but you know men will be like oh i've got two or three of those things i'll apply because what's the worst that could happen they'll say no fine i've yeah. lost anything and women are like oh i don't think i'll apply until i'm definitely ready to do that job so it's really really important to just just keep doing those uncomfortable things. Apply for that job. Are you ready to speak at a conference? Um, I'm going to say yes, but of course the answer is yes and no. Of course you're not ready, but you're not going to be ready until you've done it. So you've got to do that first one. Um, yeah. The first conference was Java One with Martin Thompson. Like yeah. he said, do you want to co-present with me at Java One? I was like, I was sort of hoping to work my way up to that. <laughs> kind of present at the biggest Java conference in the world as my first presentation. But, you know, I had an opportunity. It was right there. Martin, again, sponsored me, pushed me forward and just said, co-present with me. You're ready to do it. Just do it. Like, okay. And, and that was saying yes to something as scary as that is what really launched my career to, to where it is right now, you know. Um, so take the opportunities. You're never going to be ready. So don't keep working towards being ready. Just go for it. 
and yeah. there'll be times when you don't get the job and you don't get accepted at the conference and there'll be times when people write mean things on your blog post um yeah. but you just keep going until you get better at it it's, yeah. it's all about learning and it's all about growth and and there's going to be so much getting in your way in this industry, not just for women, as we know, but there will always be someone who tells you you're not good enough. There'll always be some crappy job that you're doing, which is just awful. There's so many things pushing you down. Don't let you be another one of those things that, that pushes you down and stops you from doing stuff because like mm -hmm. there's plenty of that going around. There's no need for <laughs> you to be part of the problem as well. Um, seek out mentors and by all means mentor people as well um, it doesn't matter how junior you are as a woman or as a man it doesn't matter how junior you are you can always mentor someone who's like three months behind you you know there's always yeah. stuff or you can even like peer mentor each other because you've got different different backgrounds different experiences and I I spoke when I was getting started in this career a lot of my friends at the boys' school, they studied computer science. They went into similar types of jobs. There were some people doing ops stuff, some people doing network stuff, and you know, and some of them went on to, to do computer science at university, and some went straight into straight into to specifically ops actually. But we were all open with each other about what our experiences were, and really importantly, what our salaries were. So I had a really clear idea in my head right at the beginning about what I was worth financially. So when I went into negotiations, I'm like, I know how much I'm worth because my boyfriend, who's the same age as me, who studied the same stuff, not this one, previous boyfriend, is earning this much money. Like, I don't really see why, why you should pay me any less for that sort of thing. So yeah. peer mentoring is really, really important. Visibility, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, well, that, that's more advice, but... <laughs> that, 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 that's great and, and as you said at the start that's that's not just about women it's just about that's just about people yes, <laughs> which exactly. it all ought to be <laughs> exactly and that's what I'm really interested in like I, I really want to help the women because my experiences are more closely aligned with the other women's experiences but like I always want to say these things and, and be explicit about this should help everybody and it's mm -hmm. it's not like I say it's not a zero-sum game like if you're all communicating about your salaries if you're all mentoring each other if you're all getting better at these different things we all get better together it's not that no it's not that people get left behind you know I, I just I don't think well we should only help women because you know let's help the woman oh, this these these things where people say whoops sorry I'm getting excited these things where people say and if you've got a woman applying for a job and an exactly same qualified man applying for the job who would you give the job to or my answer is both of them because yeah. <laughs> it's plenty of work and yeah. secondly that never happens there is no yeah. such thing as two candidates with identical qualifications yeah. the very fact that she's a woman for a start um means that she brings a whole bunch of different experiences compared to probably the rest of your team similarly yeah. if you've like okay so what if it's a, a black man and, and, a, and a white woman like who are you going to pick like just pick people because they're individuals like yeah Everyone pick, pick, pick people because you like to work with them exactly exactly yeah well that's 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 fantastic i i want i want to reiterate my thanks trish for for spending this 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 time uh, and and talking so enthusiastically and uh, and thoughtfully about all of these ideas uh, i'm i'm going to say thank you to everybody for watching i hope you've enjoyed it as much as i've i've, I've enjoyed taking part in the conversation if you do have any ideas thoughts comments leave them in the in the in the comment section below but be nice be nice be nice but <laughs> be nice uh, and thank you very much indeed for watching